Welcome to this episode 2 bonus of Mission Transition, Powering BC's Clean Energy Economy. We're a Sierra Club BC podcast mini-series exploring the transition to the next economy. Hi, I'm Susan Elrington with Sierra Club BC, and in this episode we feature my full-length interviews with the folks behind the Lego Block House. This house is exciting for many reasons. First, the technology is new and could have amazing spin-off benefits, both locally and globally. Secondly, the development and, and nurturing of new technologies and companies like Just Biofiber is how we need to be stimulating a clean energy economy. And lastly, while I was researching this story, I met a green architect who has been designing houses full of green technology for wealthy people for 25 years or so. But the vast majority of the innovations he's included in those designs are kept behind closed doors. The owner of the Lego Blockhouse is allowing the world to see what he is doing in the hopes that we can all take something from his experience, and I think that deserves a listen. The house is being built with the so-called Lego blocks in Machosen near Victoria. It sits atop a steep hill, and it's going to be the first of its kind in Canada. Arno Kinonen is the owner of the house. As a naval architect, Arno spent 40 years working on icebreakers in the Arctic. He's seen the melting of the polar ice cap firsthand, and he's pretty determined to do what he can to mitigate climate change. So when he retired... He went looking for a way to live as sustainably as possible. And that's when he found Michael de Champlain. Now, Michael is with Just Biofiber, and they manufacture the Lego blocks. We're going to talk to him later in the episode. First, I visited Arno on his construction site. Now, this was during an eco-home tour of the rural area that is Souk and Machosan. And they were expecting, I don't know, a couple of dozen, maybe a few dozen visitors on a rainy Sunday afternoon. Well, more than 150 people showed up to find out more about the Lego Blockhouse. In spite of the crowds, I managed to pull Arno aside and he <laughs> talked to him as I was running my hand over the blocks of what will become his living room. You're touching something that's totally new as a wall construction. It's called just biofiber. They could be called as eco-Lego blocks because they attach to one another exactly like Legos. They look like Legos. What are they exactly? The, this, this is a, hemp and lime is what the block itself is. And that hemp and lime has been both used a long, long time in the construction. But what is new about this one is that there's a structural frame which is built out of material which is not burning and very strong, stronger than steel. And the hemp and lime give a very high insulation value. So it's a new solution how this hemp construction can be used in, a, in an industrial fashion, actually, so that you can build easily large number of houses, for example. So how does it stand up to things like, like fire and, and other concerns that you might have about building materials? Well, I mean, there's several... I, I like to back one step. We, we looked at six different wall construction, construction alternatives for exterior walls of the house. And... We didn't know about the biofiber first, but once we find out about the biofiber and we compared that against the other six, we didn't even need to make calculations. It beat all the other construction alternatives with a big margin. And one of them is that, indeed, the insulation value is so high that even National Research Council cannot measure our value for it. 
Uh, how are you going to manage that? We, we can't officially get the passive house, but I think the efficiency of this will be at least the same as passive house. The reason we don't get passive house because we got such a view and we have big windows. You can't have big windows in the passive house, actually. But can you do that because the insulated value of, of the materials you've got in there, is there a balance there? That's what I expect that will happen. So, and so the insulation value is very high. The other thing is that it actually breathes humidity through which means that you don't need to wrap the house into plastic plug. So it's totally mold-free and rodent-free. And also longer life. That's one of the things about these blocks is that the lifetime of the blocks uh, is hundreds of years, unlike the current construction is way less than 100, typically. This is sounding almost too good to be true. Well, that's what we thought when we first started comparing this against the other our, our current construction standard. And not only that, but it's also fireproof. It doesn't actually burn that uh, hemp-lime mix. In a burning test, you can have a less than an inch thick sample and put the torch on one side and your hand on the other side, and you don't feel it in your hand. So where else is this material being used that gave you the confidence to do this? <laughs> the, I, I think the confidence to do this was not so much confidence to do this, but me having been a pioneer all my life in the Arctic doing things that haven't been done before. So I'm used to calculated risk-taking. And But the good properties of these blocks were so good, I said, yep, those are what we want. And the rest will work out. Would these blocks work in almost any climate, if you're talking, you know, much hotter climates or much colder climates? Yes, it, as far as I know. I'm not a block expert here, but uh, as far as I know, yes. It's a, the high insulation value is good for anything. If you get the really warm climate, of course, you would not get the excessive heat coming through. And in really cold climate, not the excessive cold coming through. So it's both ways protecting. Arno, why did you want to do this? Well, we, we, our current home that we have, we already tried to convert it to as energy efficient as we can. And we had even university students tell us what kinds of things we could do. But we realized that we can go only a small step into improving an existing house. So we said, but let's go and build something that would be an example of how the sustainability and the future would be more sustainable for, for building homes and living in them. So this is what we said. We, we set our minds to building a very sustainable home. Energy-wise, we would pay zero bills or perhaps even get net return, including two electric cars that we have, charging them in the grass. And then also being able to be safe in the house, that we don't have mold. We have. Uh, good quality air in the whole house and don't use any toxic materials. No no formaldehyde containing urea glue is going to be in the house. And um, there's other things. For example, we are standing right next to what is called a greenhouse room. This is an uh, individual room in the house which is surrounded by these biofiber blocks all around because it is designed to grow food year-round inside the house. Arno, are there any compromises you feel you've had to make because you've chosen to do this the way you're doing it? On the scale that I evaluate things, no, not really. I mean, everything I see here is uh, positive. The, the only thing, yeah, if you want to really nitpick this, I said this is a thicker wall than the standard wall, so that 
the house becomes a little bit bigger for the same floor size. But that is so small, that difference, that it doesn't make any difference to us. Given your own sort of journey doing this, one of the things that I found as I've been talking to people is they say things like, I, I want to live more sustainably, but it's overwhelming to figure out how to make the best choices to do that. You've, you've obviously put a lot of effort into researching and so on here. What would you say to those people who feel so easily overwhelmed by that? I, I think in today's world there's a lot of, lot of kind of solutions being made and lots of more sustainable solutions. I don't think it's difficult at all to find from the internet many, much information about just about anything. But really to put it all together into a house that actually functional and is easy to live in. Because one of the things that we targeted is to live a simple life and not to have hard job to keep the house doing what it needs to be doing. Comfortable, safe and easy to live in. So that we, it's in our case, <coughs> it's not about the each component solution as much as it is about how everything works together and comes together in a good solution that works on the, all those basic measure sticks of sustainability, energy, efficiency, uh, non-toxicity and I mean the food is part of it. It seems to me that there are a few things that if we were to to look to government that you would be looking, that they could do that could, could help bring this along, whether it's things like policy regulation or incentives or that sort of thing. What would you wish or hope might have been in place that would have made this easier for you? <laughs> I, I don't expect it to be easier for me because I, I, I'm used to be a pioneer. Actually, if it's too easy, it's boring. <laughs> So I don't expect government to make anything easier for me. I wish that I can perhaps help others to have a little easier time towards the future, into the future. But it seems to me that even, even if government was monitoring what you're doing here and saying what could be applied to building codes and things like that, it, it could hasten along this movement that we're trying, this transition we're trying to go through here. Well, that's what we wish can happen. And we like to openly communicate about what we've done and what we experienced and what works, what doesn't work and how well does it work and or why doesn't it work. I mean, to, to, to me, one of the biggest changes with this sort of construction method is that it is actually something that the building institute can apply directly. Everybody knows how to put together Legos. So building a house at the Lego blocks is actually a no-brainer. <laughs> well, thank you for being a pioneer with this. Well, thank you. Thanks very much. You're listening to a bonus episode of Mission Transition, powering BC's clean energy economy. I'm Susan Elrington with Sierra Club BC, and we're talking about the Lego block house in construction on Vancouver Island. Now, after speaking with owner Arno Kenonen, I spent some time with Michael de Champlain. He's with the company that makes the Lego block, Just Biofiber, and they're based in Calgary. I started our chat by asking Michael to tell us about the blocks without getting too technical. They're made of uh, a mixture of hemp and lime. Hemp herd, not hemp fiber, as opposed to hemp fiber. And the herd is the center of the plant, and that used to be a waste product. So we're just using the herd, and that's because the quality of the herd is what we need for our building material. And it's uh, inside of the block, there's a structural frame that is in each block that is very strong. It's stronger than uh, some poured concrete, 
uh, mixed with uh, steel. So it's very, very strong. We can build numerous stories of buildings with this uh, block. This is the first house here. Is this the first house at all? This is the first house ever. We're making history where we stand. Oh, that's going to be pretty exciting for you. <laughs> it's very exciting. We're about three years into this, uh, and uh, we've had lots of uh, struggles along the way, but we're very excited to be where we're at today. And you've got a project uh, planned for Kelowna, is it? Yes, we have a, a project for downtown Kelowna. It's a five-story self-storage building in the heart of the city. And I can say that uh, it's uh, winning a prize for being one of the uh, greenest buildings in Canada. And uh, we've got the building situated there and are getting approval because of its nature, of the green uh, energy that's, that it's being produced by the building and also the carbon that it's locking up in the walls of the building. Michael, in terms of cost, how does this material compare to traditional building materials? This would be about the same as stick frame under the BC code, or it would be less than tilt-up and less than cinder block construction, which are two commercial uh, types of construction. And where are you actually making these blocks right now? We're making them in a town called Airdrie, Alberta, which is just outside of Calgary. So if I'm assuming that your factory in Airdrie is is meeting demand if you've got just the first house and the yeah, first commercial no, building we're, going. We're not anywhere close to demand at this point. And we don't I'm not I'm not sure that we'll ever be close to demand. We're we're getting a surprising amount of people that are really excited about doing something positive for the environment, especially uh, in the built environment. So what do you need to do to scale up to meet that demand then? Uh, right now we're just uh, increasing the size of our, our capacity and uh, so we're building equipment and we're building, a, a, we're, we're looking for a, a location of a bigger plant to put that equipment in. We need a plant that we can expand into because each line that we pr uh, build produces uh, 20,000 blocks per month and we just then add on more lines and add on more lines uh, once one line is is 100 percent automated so how many jobs would a, a facility provide i think we would employ somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 people and in terms of using the material and building with it what needs to be done to train workers on how to do that and train designers and architects on how to design for it uh, it's just uh, as it goes, it, it kind of happens organically. I mean, we l learn so much from building this building, and we're, we're looking at building more buildings, and each time we build, we learn a little bit more. We will be uh, certifying the, the builders. We want to maintain quality control and make sure that we're in our haste to, you know, uh, be profitable or, or anything else that we don't... Uh, uh, miss the the most important point and that's maintaining our our, uh, our structural integrity of the company as well as the buildings <laughs> did your company receive any grants or innovation incentives or tax incentives or anything like that to to bring this kind of product uh, to market oh we had quite a bit of help from both the alberta government and the federal government so I, so we certainly have no complaints there they've been very supportive especially alberta they uh 
they are very uh, interested in, in promoting the, the hemp uh, for agriculture in, in Alberta. And, and we come along and say, oh, we'll just take that ma- waste material off your hands. And, oh, by the way, uh, you know, now your farmers can make more than canola. So how about that? <laughs> you know, so everybody's uh, getting pretty, uh, pretty excited there. As a matter of fact, they've been making a lot of introductions for us. Is out of curiosity, how much hemp do you need to to make a block? Well, the cool thing about the hemp plant is that it's a food. Uh, we don't use the food for building. We use the, the, the material that's being thrown away for building, or they were trying to throw it away, and then they thought, no, maybe we can just burn it. All those terrible plants that are out there poisoning people uh, are, are getting you know big money. And this plant actually restores the earth and hasn't been around for a long time, but should be a mainstream plant that supplies food, it supplies building material, it supplies, it supplies clothing, it supplies all these things. And we've been ignoring it for far too long, I think. And you can grow it reasonably close to where you need it, is that right? Just about anywhere on the face of the earth. This plant is so hardy. So you can grow it uh, even in northern Alberta. It grows as well as it does, you know, any place else. You can get 20-foot plants up there because of the amount of light they get there in the in their in their growing season. So you can grow it pretty much any place that actually recovers the land. So it's a great crop to use at a as a uh, a crop in between all the fertilizers and things that have been burning up the land. So you might want to put it in there as uh, between canola crops or, or other things to restore the land. I suppose if you look five or ten years out and look globally, this has implications for housing in Africa or the Caribbean or third yeah. world nations as well, yeah. both in terms of growing the, the source material and using the material, the product. Yeah, we're growing a building on a farm, so how cool is that? And it can be as simple as somebody taking and making a block by hand or automation. It, it's, it scales incredibly and uh, you could actually do a combination of both. So somebody in Africa, for example, could grow uh, the hemp plant, have food, have housing, have clothing, uh, all of those things out of one plant. So the, and, and at the same time, this plant is aggressively uh, uh, sequestering CO2. And that's really a huge story. That's a huge part of this. This house here, for example, that we're looking at right now, will take 25 tons of CO2 out of the uh, out of the atmosphere. It kind of makes you wonder why we're not doing it already. <laughs> Just the kind of uh, uh, numbers that have gone through here today, and the excitement about what we're doing you know, speaks for itself, I think. Uh, even, I've had some very good questions asked for me today, and uh, but no shortage of excitement, that's for sure. Are you finding, you said you've been at this for three years to, to, to get to this point, are you finding that the interest level now is, is more than it might have been when you were starting out? Absolutely. Like, um, I'll give you an example. The first uh, dyed-in-the-wool contractor developer that I talked to said, uh, he was a Mr. Mr. Concrete. He said, that'll never work. And now he's the biggest promoter. <laughs> so all you need is a good education on what we're doing here. And, I mean, this uh, has, he was uh, a developer, builder for uh, several generations in his family. So, 
When I started on this series, people would talk to me about the tipping point in the world of, of people going to a new economy or a new way of thinking rather than kind of that industrial age thinking around the economy as being sometime maybe in the next 40 or 50 years. When do you think it's coming, that tipping point? Uh, I think it has to come now. It has I to? Think, yeah, Is I it? think it has to. I think we're, we're too long in the tooth waiting for things to happen. We've got to get on it and make it move right now because... Uh, you know, I mean, if you spoke with, with Arno earlier, he's been in the coldest places of, of, on the face of the earth, and he's seen the ice caps shrink by 40%. So uh, if that isn't a wake-up call, I don't know what is. So, well, It's our hope that by talking about it and so on, that some people listening today will, will realize they can move ahead in a different direction. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for the interview. That was Michael DeChamplain of Just Biofiber. Now you can find links to the company as well as links to Arno's blog where you can see pictures and video of the construction. That's all on our website at sierraclub.bc.ca slash podcast. Would you consider building a house out of these blocks? Let us know by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Sierra Club BC. And that's where you can join the conversation about the clean energy economy. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Mission Transition, powering BC's clean energy economy, brought to you by Sierra Club BC. I'm Susan Elbrington. <laughs>